Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and I'm recording this in a car on the way to the airport, moving to the USA. And this is the episode with the listeners of Crypto 101. This is one of my favorite episodes to do, is to get on with the people who listen to the show and the reason why we do this show for you guys. And in this episode, we talk to the listeners about their 2019 goals and many more topics. And I'm excited to get into that episode. But before that, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. There you can find links to our social media, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Subscribe, follow us to keep up to date with all things Crypto 101. Also, please remember, wherever you are listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed, leave us a rating and a comment, and share with friends, family, or whoever else you think might want to get into cryptocurrency. Also, can't forget the patrons. Patrons, thank you so much for being patrons. And please consider being a patron. The patrons help us continue doing the show. And like always, this is not financial advice, trading advice, personal advice, or legal advice. Now, without further ado, the listeners of Crypto 101. Listeners of Crypto 101, welcome to Crypto 101. Hey! Yo, what's up? Hello, Crypto101. G-O-T Miner in the house. There you go. Gents, I want to say thank you very much for listening to Crypto101, and thank you very much for coming on the listener episode. We'd like to put these on to see how well the average consumer, the average listener is doing in the space. Get your insights, get your opinions of projects, of the space, of your holdings, of your bags, or whatever is going on. Because, well, shit, without your insights, one, we have no show. And two, this is why people are making these projects. This is why people are on exchanges. This is why, you know, blockchain products are coming out. It's for you guys. It's for the average consumer. So welcome to the show and thank you very much. I would like to go through and please do a brief introduction so everybody knows who's who. We'll start with Jace. Jace, what's up? Hey, what's up, Matthew? Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Jace Cohen. I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I work in the music industry here. And I've been in the crypto space only for about two years now. Oh, two years is a, a, a proper time, man. So, well, welcome, welcome. GOT Miner, what's up? What's going on, Matthew? So, uh, I'll start with the first couple of mistakes that I made in crypto. In 2014, I read an article that referenced Dogecoin and I totally ignored it. I did the same thing in 2015 when I read the Silk Road article. Fast forward to summer of 2017, I just overheard some coworkers talking about Bitcoin. They were printing out their paper wallets. One of them happened to be mining uh, early in 2017 with a couple of GPUs. From there, I just kept looking into it and looking into it. I started researching uh, GPU mining quite a bit. And in the fourth quarter of 2017, I uh, purchased a lot of mining hardware and started mining. In 2018, I started swing trading a bit, continued mining, and I have never looked back. Right on, man. Welcome to the show. Ken, what's up, brother? What's up, Matthew? Uh, Thanks for having me on, man. Definitely a privilege. started listening to you about a year ago. So I've been in the space here for a year, so maybe I'm the most newest noob. I don't know, but I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've moved up and down the East Coast of the U.S. quite a bit from my young adult life till now in the restaurant business. I've been in that my entire working life, so about 20 years now, responsible for about 65 restaurants here in Ohio, near your hometown of Cleveland, of course, not too far away from that. Holy shit, man. That's a lot, bro. 
Yeah. Hey, you know what, man? It's definitely uh, one of those jobs. It's never the same any given day. Kind of like crypto, though. So it works. But yeah, I got into crypto one year ago. Kind of like what Got Miner said. I had a coworker talking about Bitcoin and how it was fourteen thousand dollars of Bitcoin, and I'm like, man, how the hell is that possible? So it sent me down the rabbit hole of uh, trying to figure out what the hell Bitcoin was. And yeah, I started mining and got a full node set up, bought some Bitcoin, and did all the stuff. And started listening to you back in January of eighteen, and uh, here I am. So thanks again for having me. Right on, man. Thank you for listening. Arseni, what's up, brother? Hey, Matthew. Glad to be here, man. I guess a little bit of background on me. Got into crypto in December of 2017. Yep, I know. Started listening to your podcast in January, just like Ken, I guess. And here I am today, I guess. I am by trade a manager of supply chain purchasing and contract management. So the way I see it, blockchain as a technology, you know, when it comes to a real case example, would apply in supply chain, right? It's really relevant as, you know, blockchain would allow you to track the journey of products across the supply chain. So that's a little bit about me. Right on, brother. Right on. Well, thank everybody for coming on the show. First question I want to pick your guys' brains about, find out what was going on is a lot of you said you got into cryptocurrency December 2017, January 2018, or around there. I think, Jace, you said you've been in for two years. GOT Miner has been dabbling for a while now. But what was your expectations from 2017 going into 2018? And was there any disappointment or letdown? And how do you feel about how 2018 closed out? Hey, it's Jace. I would say, you know, because I got in kind of around early in 2017 and came, you know, with the big run up through the beginning of 2018, my expectations were pretty high going into the January and February 2018. And when things started to kind of fall apart, yeah, it was a pretty major disappointment, but not really in it for like to make a quick dollar. So kind of like I did this with a bunch of friends and they've all, you know, taken their money out and you know, tell me I'm stupid, but I just leave my money in there. You know, I bought a little bit more and I'm just hanging around because I think over the long term, this is going to turn around and run back up again. DOT. Yeah, man. So I think a lot of people are going to hate me for saying that I have no disappointment whatsoever for 2018. I used the entire year as an opportunity to learn as much as I possibly could. I mean, I spend a few hours a day listening to, watching, reading uh, crypto content. The bear market really sucks. And, you know, people are angry about it, especially if you're out there on crypto Twitter. And if you lost money, I, you know, I feel bad for you, but you've got to use it as a learning experience and move on with it. I mean, if you believe in it, you believe in it, right? I'm with uh, a GOT on this one. Right. I kind of look at 2018 as a learning experience. Right, I continue doing my research, understanding the technology, really picking my projects carefully. You know, I'm happy to say that most of my money have been going in the last couple of months because when I got in, it was 100 bucks. Ethereum was the first crypto I got into. And then, you know, the beating started. And then at that point, you know, I kind of made the decision to slow down and kind of just watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then in that process, just learned you have to be very careful on where you get your information and what you do with it. So now that I'm a lot more confident with my decisions, I think it's time to kind of put my money where my mouth is when it comes to crypto. I do see us going a little bit lower. So again, this is not financial advice, but I would say by April, we should really bottom out. And my prediction would be around 2K for BTC. Ken, what are you thinking, man? 
Yeah, man. No. So I don't have a whole lot different to say probably than most of the listeners here, but you know, I'll add in a few things. Just like everybody said, I don't have any regrets getting into it. I'm thankful that I got into it when I did. I think all of us here are believers that whether it be blockchain, whether it be cryptocurrencies as a form of payment, that this thing has legs. Now, ask my wife if she has regrets. Um, <laughs> right now, she'd probably tell you that she does. I'm trying <laughs> to convince her that, hey, you know, this is not a get rich quick overnight thing as we hear on your show. And, you know, a lot of folks who try to get in and want to make a fortune overnight. Hey, those people are obviously pretty pissed off right now. But blockchain in the future for what it's going to bring, I think, you know, whether that's five years, 10 years, uh, you take the money that you can afford and, you know, you put it into the space. And I've been fortunate to learn a lot, not just off of listening to your show and different shows, but folks that I'm involved with at the uh, Ubic team, not to plug them intentionally, but, you know, getting into crypto made me explore so many different avenues that I would not be learning if I hadn't done it. So I'm pretty pumped about it. And uh, no matter whether it's short-term losses or a, a long-term gain, being a part of the future is pretty exciting. GOT, what's up? Yo, man. Yeah. So whoever just spoke uh, right after me, totally agree. I think that it was Arseni that came right after you. Yeah, I do believe it was. In the fourth quarter of 2017, I was mostly investing in mining hardware rather than buying Bitcoin at the top. And I didn't actually start putting a lot of fiat directly into Bitcoin or any other coin until the first and the second quarter of 2018. So everybody's expectations were pretty much managed throughout 2018. Now that we're in 2019, and we already heard that somebody predicts the bottom out as around April, we still think it's going to go down a little bit. Do we still have the idea that Bitcoin is going to go to that $100,000? And also, is there a conflict of interest of us wanting the Bitcoin price to go up as investors into this uh, digital commodity, as well as these other companies and these digital assets, as well as we want the same thing to be the next currency? Ken, go for it. I don't have any idea of where Bitcoin is going to go as far as an overall you know, valuation. I do think it's going to reach a very, very high number, and whether it's the John McAfee's or whoever's out there calling for $250,000 Bitcoin, who knows when, but I do think it's a combination of a couple of things that will lead there. You know, I'm no doomsday prepper, but I think economic trife across the world and people that will look for ways to try to create store of value and be able to more easily access funds, those things are bound to happen. And you hopefully they're never going to be too extreme. But, you know, as we enter more uncharted territory from a world affairs aspect, of course, you have those types of situations that can cause Bitcoin or whatever, you know, higher value or higher known cryptocurrency to rise. But I think if people find a way to figure out what blockchain technology can offer them and how they can benefit from storage of personal data on the blockchain to where other large companies and centralized entities can't steal and sell their data, that's where mass adoption or Bitcoin itself or whatever have you takes off, in my opinion. Anybody got anything to say to that? Hey, it's Jace. I fully agree with what Ken said. I kind of took this past year, 2018, and I kind of slowed down on everything. In 2017, I was way more into it, and I was listening to podcasts and researching and watching YouTube videos every day. And then when things started to slow down, I kind of slowed down myself as well. But I realized that I should have taken this opportunity, like the rest of the guys, to do more research and learn more. And I agree with Ken on when people research or we start to spread more messages about the you know underlying fundamental benefits of the blockchain, I think that's when we're going to hit mass adoption as well. I can't predict how long that will take, but 
I'm definitely going to start doing my part more. Looking into mass adoption, recently Cryptopia shut down, suspended its operations. Actually, they said that it was a massive breach. They probably lost a lot of coins, a lot of people's money. Don't know if it was malicious or don't know if there was the intention, if there was an exit or if it was a hack and people are just, you know, we don't know. So I'm not going to say, you know, it was Cryptopia's fault or who, whose fault it was. However, when we're talking about mass adoption, these sort of instances keep pushing crypto back. What do you think that we, the average person, the average consumer, the average podcaster can do to still help motivate people get into blockchain, even though there's so much fear and there's headlines of hacks and money losses and bad actors keep coming out? Don't keep your coins on the exchange, dude. <laughs> I'd have to agree. And I mean, and if you do, you know, make sure you do your due diligence, make sure that, you know, the exchanges you pick are, you know, legitimate, something like Binance, right? Something that has kind of proving or has reputation in the industry. Because as you said, Matthew, there's a lot of bad actors and unfortunately that's going to happen. It's going to continue happening until, you know, we find other means or ways to kind of clean things up as much as we can, right? But, you know, for me is, you know, trying to educate some of my friends, but I don't want to be that guy, you know, who talks about crypto all the time. Because I remember in December, 2017, January, 2018, everybody was into crypto. And right now I'm finding all of my buddies, all of my teammates on a hockey team, nobody's talking about it. But I think right now is the time because if they were willing to buy Bitcoin at 16,000, 17,000, they should definitely be looking at it now because the way I see it, that technology is still there. Just because the bubble bursts right now is the opportunity to pick up things on sale, on pennies, on a dollar. So I think right now is the time. Mm -hmm. to really educate yourself. I'm also looking at ways how I can contribute to the space. At first, I was just strictly an investor, but right now I'm looking at some projects and I truly want to make a difference. You know, like just looking at different ways on what I can do to contribute as opposed to just sitting and waiting things to happen. We have to own it. Like as a generation, as you know, millennials, we shouldn't really put up with the traditional banking system or how things were done because we kind of seen where that brought us, our generation, and the problems that we have. Word. I'll be very honest. I'm not happy with some of the taxation and some of the things that are going on right now. The traditional system is a dinosaur. And it's on its way out. I mean, all of the banks right now are looking at blockchain, right? They're looking to digitize all of these securities, right? I mean, they see the value in this. They see the future in this, right? So right. it's not going to go away. GOT, what do you got? Yeah. So on the topic of Cryptopia, I mean, what really is there to say? Another shitty exchange got hacked. Was it a legit hack? Was it an exit scam? Was it maybe an inside job that even the owners uh, of the exchange were not part of? The question I have, so how many people have lost money trading on Coinbase Pro? How many people have lost money trading on Gemini? How many people have lost money uh, trading on Binance. You know, I just think you need to pick the exchanges that are known to be trusted. You know, with that said, it's like an exchange is trusted until it's not, right? And people say don't keep money in exchanges, but you always have to have some kind of money in exchange. So if even if you want to buy a coin, you have to move some Bitcoin in there, buy your coin and then move it out. For that time of the transaction of the trade, your money's there. And so is millions of other dollars or millions of other dollars worth of coins in that exchange. So they always have access to a nice 
pretty hefty stack. So if they want to exit on like a busy day, if it's a busy trading day, they say, hey, wow, we have, you know, $10 million of volume and there's $10 million worth of coins in our exchange right now. Well, this is a busy day for us. Let's get out of here or a half a billion even when it comes to some of these bigger exchanges like Binance. Ken, what's on your mind? You know, I was just going to kind of say a little bit about what you just said there. I'm not a trader, so it's very easy for me. Although I've tried to be a trader uh, for some short times, but I've just since said, hey, until I can get more informed on that whole idea, you know, I'm going to invest in projects that I think, you know, have a good buy price. No, I'm feeling you, man. I suck, dude. I, I lost money trading too, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just not my thing right now. And plus, I don't have the time to just fully research. I spent most of my time learning about blockchain and crypto as a space, but I do enjoy the investment aspect. But I hear you. The unfortunate instances where people have to have money on those exchanges, I don't think it's going to help the space. It's not going to help the industry as a whole with mass adoption. So in terms of Cryptopia and the many other exchanges that were just mentioned, it's unfortunate. But I do think what we do for mass adoption, whether it's exchanges that continue to have bad actors, I think every space has bad actors. It's shown through history that that's going to be a problem as things are vetted. But you look at the technology aspect, you do your part to educate, maybe not be the guy who's always talking blockchain, but you know, one more final point I'll make on this is the Internet of Things. You know, I've been doing a lot of research on IOTA, you know, Ocean and these different companies that Matthew, you've had Aaron and different folks, you know, have on crypto and ICO 101. The Internet of Things and the devices that are going to connect into the Internet of Things. I think I, I read somewhere there, there's currently four on average in the U.S. alone. And, you know, as more developing countries come online, there might be as many as 12 different devices that are connecting to the internet. And I think if you just simply help people understand what that means and what blockchain can do for people with their data, that's a selling point all itself. Mm. So just my two cents. Mm. Amen. GOT, what's up? Yo, so I totally agree with what you just said, Matthew. I mean, some money has to be kept on exchanges, but you have to decide what percentage of your portfolio that you are going to trade with and what percentage of it is out there and uh, vulnerable to uh, an exchange hack like this. I do 100% agree. And for my personal story, and I don't know if you guys saw me on Crypto 101 Community do a live, I moved just before this 0.1 Bitcoin over to Cryptopia to buy some more shitcoin. And that's what happened to me. I got stuck in withdrawal and I you know, opened a ticket and I was like, hey, <laughs> I need to get my coins out. They replied, they said it's low priority. They're gonna get to it when they get to it. And then this happened. So I think from that perspective, yeah, you have to figure out how much you want to risk to put into the exchange. Some people are moving a lot of volume, though, because they're big traders. But then again, that's all on the individual. Me, when I put that 0.1 Bitcoin into Cryptopia, I had the feeling that, hey, if I lose it, I'm OK. $370, it's not a little bit of money, but I'm OK losing it because that's what I'm doing is putting into an exchange that sells shit coins. And I understood the risks. And I think people do have to you know, understand the risks of using certain exchanges. Going back to the percentage, they need to take a look at their entire portfolio and determine what percentage they are willing to risk on an exchange that they may not have 100% trust in if they want to engage in trading shit coins. I think that was my point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Jace, got a question for you, man. With these exchanges having hacks, losing funds or what have you, like Cryptopia, this is the most recent one about, I don't even know if it was a year ago or less than a year ago already, Japan lost a massive amount of money. What do you think these exchanges should be doing for the average consumer? For example, Binance, when they had their, I don't even want to call it a hack because it was more of a glitch with their API. Binance and CZ was out front 
you know, talking to the people about it. Is that the best solution for the average consumer? Or what do you think these exchanges should do to keep confidence for the average consumer or new people coming in? So I'd say for me, coming from a very non-technical background, non-computer science background, I definitely get a little overwhelmed and intimidated by a lot of the more you know, scientific type talk, even when it comes to simple stuff like, you know, wallets and taking your currency offline, you know, out of the exchanges. So when something happens like that, you know, like a glitch or a hack, you know, I mean, like the Cryptopia one, I just found that out just, I think today from watching you write about it. And I, I checked in my block folio and I actually had something in Cryptopia now that I've realized I've lost a little bit of money in there, nothing major, but, you know, I wouldn't have known that. But yeah, just being completely upfront, honest and speak in very like plain terms for people like myself to be able to really understand what happened and to be able to feel confident working with that exchange again or just exchanges in general not to scare people off i think that's the best move from my side anybody else might have anything to say on that well i'd have to agree with jace like i'm big on transparency working in public sector right People make mistakes, mistakes happen. It's unavoidable. So, you know, any exchange is being upfront with whatever is going on. It's probably going to be a lot better than, you know, someone like Cryptopia saying, you know, we have an unscheduled maintenance going on and then keeping people wondering about what's going on. But then again, for me, maybe I'm a lot more conservative in my approach, right? So maybe, you know, like I stick to projects that kind of have been around I want to make sure I understand what the project's all about before I get into it. And similar with the exchanges. I know, you know, Binance, they have a reputation. They're the biggest exchange. So I would prefer to use an exchange that has kind of proven themselves. Where Cryptopia, I've heard of them, but I've never really used them. So I'm not surprised something like this happened. I'm just fully convinced, Matthew, that all the hacks, they're all no coiners. They just want to drive Bitcoin as low as they possibly can. So they can buy it when it's at its lowest. Simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's smart. Well, hopefully we get a tip then and we can buy it low with them. <laughs> but the hacks have to stop. The hacks absolutely have to stop. That is, you know, and I think it's discouraging. And I and coming from a content creator's perspective, somebody that is working full-time, this is my full-time gig, to try to build confidence in blockchain. And there's so many different aspects about blockchain, but people don't know that, you know, it's about blockchain for data or supply chain or, you know, these different aspects or dApps, you know, decentralized applications, which I want to get into a little bit in a little bit about censorship and, you know, some of these media platforms and how blockchain can help. But that somebody that's advocating for the adoption of blockchain to get people into it, the first thing they always hear is Bitcoin. The second thing they always hear is Ponzi scheme. And the third thing they hear is scam. And it's very discouraging once the first headline in every news cycle is some new scam, some new exit, some new malfunction in an exchange or whatever you want to call it. It's almost like we go take one step forward, two step backs as content creators or people in the blockchain space. And then we have to rebuild confidence. And it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I think that, um, especially whenever the general population only they see what they see, they don't do research on their own, and they believe it's word. So whether it's the you know mainstream media or if it's you know the Facebook, whatever, or you know whatever thing you want to get your news media from, unfortunately, it takes a long time for the perceptions to change too. Once that media is taken in, it is a shame. Absolutely. I want to get into a little bit about censorship and another aspect of blockchain technology. I just got off a panel with Joe Com Forrest and Brent from Crypto Basic. And one of the avenues that we went down was censorship. That, you know, YouTube and Twitter and these platforms are censoring 
speech for the most part. For example, Alex Jones got taken down. There is just a news today that YouTube is going to stop allowing crazy challenges videos on their site. For example, the Tide Challenge, the Bird Box Challenge, you know, and all these other things because of the influence. But when we were talking, they said, you know, this is freedom of speech. I mean, people have to be not stupid to copy these people. And even though they're a private company, we still have to have find a platform in a platform that could, you know, promote the freedom of expression and the freedom of to put out, out these content and put the liability back on your own self to, you know, make good decisions might come in a decentralized adapt way on the blockchain. What do you guys think of the quote unquote censorship in Twitter and YouTube or all these other places? And what do you think about the possibility of decentralized applications and blockchain rectifying this or being an alternative? Ken? Yeah. Hey, I promise I won't be the only one continuing to just answer questions here, but I'm pretty passionate about this whole segment as well. For better or for worse, I think that the freedom of speech, it just has to remain. And the censorship that is happening out there, although be it, I'm sure, for various good reasons in the minds of those centralized companies that feel they have the right to make decisions, they as a business certainly have that right as well too. But that's where you leverage or can leverage blockchain. You know, I'm not very familiar with Steemit, but, you know, I did recently sign up for their platform to see how it works and see how the social media aspects can be better in the blockchain space. Because there has to be alternatives to, again, for better or for worse. I think that there's downside to, you know, allowing anything to be permanent left out on the blockchain. But I think that there's better good out of it. And to your point, Matthew, people have to be able to think of their own brain. You know, we can't continuously segment off our audiences because we're afraid someone's bad. It may happen, but people have to be better than that. Anyone else want to jump in? Yeah. So I totally agree with that. And maybe YouTube is trying to protect its shareholders in this kind of stuff. A couple of things that I've heard of, uh, Steam, as it was already mentioned, and also BitTube. I'm not familiar with it, but it seemed like it was some type of media streaming platform that is decentralized. Has anybody else ever used that? I've heard of it, but I haven't even gotten on that topic yet. I have not heard of it. Have not. Same. Nope. BitTube, huh? So I guess the question for this is, do you think censorship is good? And I guess the question is, is this something that I've been paying attention to a lot recently is, and you know, going with what Ken says, I know people have to take responsibility for their own actions. However, at- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
the same time, I mean, there is the intent of some of this content that's being put out is to manipulate, is to skew elections, is false, just straight false to basically hack the minds of people. And then they're finding this content and they're pulling it. And who's to say if, uh, you know, Alex Jones is legit or not legit or his intent is malicious or not malicious. But I mean, does he really believe that there are lizard people walking among us? <laughs> I, I don't know. And other people are believing that there's lizard people walking among us. Now, is that a, a good thing to perpetuate if an influencer like Alex Jones is running around convincing people that there's lizard people in the White House? Yeah, it's an interesting topic, Matthew. And I could probably debate it over a very, very long period of time. And I would continue to say that censorship is probably overall bad, in my opinion. But again, you know, I think I was listening to one of your more recent shows, maybe in the last few months, I was catching up on some episodes and there was somebody you had on that was talking about identification and the ability to check identification back to blockchain to see if it comes from valid resources. I mean, we're never going to probably be able to solve for idiocy and people who just don't do their own research. But the more tools that we can give them, it's going to always fall upon the individual. But if there's more tools to prove the worthiness to what's being said, the onus is still going to be on the individual. But again, it's a space that I think blockchain can only help in mm -hmm. and not hurt it. If anybody has any more to say on this one, I'll move on to the next question. Yeah, one thing. So yeah, censorship, uh, totally agree with you. It's probably not healthy for any ecosystem. But going back to just say, for instance, YouTube, they are a company and they can decide what they want out there and what they do not want. So I do believe that blockchain and uh, decentralized applications can help combat that censorship. I guess this naturally leads to mainstream adoption. Once we have these centralized applications taking over the jobs of YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and what have you, we are in a situation of mass adoption, not only in dApps, but also could be currency. What do you think it will take to get to mass adoption and when? GOT, what's up? So, man, I don't know if my number here is correct, but I think I recently read that as far as adoption of Bitcoin or in the entire uh, cryptocurrency market as a whole is around 1% or maybe slightly less of the world population. Have you read that or can you confirm that that number is accurate? I can't confirm that, but I can say that it's pretty damn low. <laughs> <laughs> So mass adoption, from my point of view, would be 30 to 50%. And we are a long, long ways away from that. If you want to talk about mass adoption, as in using Bitcoin as a spend currency, I think ease of use applications that are as simple to use as Square Cash and Venmo. I think that layer two solutions like Lightning or something similar has to come along to decrease confirmation time and to combat the scalability issue. So that's just to use it as a spend currency. Crypto as an investment, I think we need more institutional participation. People need the ability to call their broker and say, hey, this is what I want to buy. Those brokers need to have the proper custodial solutions to actually hold that crypto asset. And, you know, ETFs, I, we can talk all day about that. Who knows when that's going to come to fruition. But I think overall, it's going to be a good thing if it's a physically settled uh, ETF and we don't resort to paper trading like we have with other assets. Well, I think it's just a matter of really educating the average consumers, right? I mean, 
know, for someone like my parents, you know, some of the concept of storing your own keys and being your own bank, it scares them, right? The world that they kind of grew up in, it's a very hard concept for them to kind of wrap their mind around. And until we can easily explain it and kind of put them at ease, right? I mean, technology as is, is a concept that I know my parents kind of struggle with because for them, some of the progress used to take decades. Now things change within a year or two. So I do what I can explaining some of these concepts, but they struggle with them. So I think we really need to dumb it down. And only then we can kind of explain, you know, what it means being your own bank, what it means storing your keys. Because a lot of it, I remember getting into the space, I, I felt vulnerable. I, I did not understand how am I going to be my own bank? How am I going to be storing my keys? Everything seemed very complicated until you start doing it and you figure out. And then at the end of the day, you think, you know what, it's not as bad as you think. That said, you know, it probably took me a good year mm -hmm. to really kind of wrap my head around it. Right, right. Actually, I was talking to a listener just a little bit ago, and he is making his parents a PowerPoint presentation to try to explain Bitcoin and get his elderly parents to invest a little bit. Jace, what's up, man? Oh, I was just going to say back to, I think it was GOT speaking on the mass adoption. I also think beyond education, I think to get people like my parents involved or, you know, the average everyday consumer who wouldn't normally go on an exchange and buy crypto. But I think when it gets to the level of maybe some larger institutions, some bigger banks, bigger business, being more accepting of cryptocurrencies and maybe using it in everyday business. Once it becomes more average everyday use, I think that's when we'll see a lot of mass adoption. Once it's like, you know, readily available, as soon as someone comes out with like the app or like the certain system that works really easy for the everyday user, we're going to see some pretty heavy mass adoption. Ken, what's up, dude? Look, you know, we have cell phones now that are being created that are run through crypto or crypto based. I think I heard you say, Matthew, about an HTC phone that's going to be created for crypto soon. If somebody can create an app, it's run off of a blockchain that takes and stores people's data almost seamlessly and simultaneously that you just sign up for. You know, your private keys are kept confidentially on your phone. I don't know how the ability to hack a phone would happen, but if you could get tokenization from data, personal data from people who are using devices and they're rewarded through tokens that can become valuable and easily exchanged, although be it for probably fiat and currency for right now, but still it has to be a simpler way and try and explain to somebody as all the points that we just said about private keys and public keys and cold storage and i mean all of us have went through it probably with some painful processes along the way i know i had my fair share but for mass adoption whether it's through apps dApps crypto cell phones or programs that connect to blockchains that can tokenize data and help people be financially rewarded for it if enough people figure out about that kind of technology mass adoption can set in in my it's just got to become very easy. Right on, man. GLT, what's up? Yeah, so last thought on mass adoption. So yeah, I agree. Ease of use, it has to be there. And I think we're going to trade ease of use for security to some extent, because I honestly don't believe that the majority of people want to be their own banks. I don't think that they want to deal with those private keys. I think that they want an application that is going to be extremely easy to use. Just like in the early days of the internet, I mean, now we all use the internet, but we're not all experts on TCP IP protocol. 
We all use email, but we are not experts on SMTP protocol. And I think there are a lot of people that are sitting and waiting and waiting for mass adoption. But what we need to understand is that these things are not going to happen overnight. The wheels are turning in the background. A lot of people just can't see them. They're going to turn at a slow and steady pace. And I think a slow and steady pace is going to be the safe pace. Anybody got something to say to that? It's all good stuff, man. Right on. Well, my two cents about mass adoption is I think that it's going to take a big corporation or company to start doing things on the blockchain first. I think that, for example, either if it's uh, Facebook, and they make uh, face dollars or Zuck bucks, it's going to take them to put Zuck bucks into the ecosystem and people start using it as a cryptocurrency, especially if they're developing one on the blockchain, says the rumor, because they already have the on-ramp. Yeah, they have the on-ramp. I can put my credit card information into Facebook, buy $100 worth of Facebook ads or $100 worth of you know Instagram ads or what have you. So what if I put $100 into Zuckbucks and now that Zuckbucks could be used on Instagram to buy ads or Facebook to buy ads or send to somebody via WhatsApp between me and somebody in the States or me and somebody in Japan. And then once people start using it in that ecosystem of say, you know, 1.5 billion people who are on Facebook or Instagram or whatever else they own, you know, maybe Starbucks would be like, yeah, I'll take these Zuckbucks. And when Starbucks takes it, then McDonald's would be like, yeah, I'll take these Zuckbucks. And then you'll see, you know, people say, well, we can lightning swap our Litecoin with Zuckbucks as Starbucks. And then there you go. Now we have Litecoin and Bitcoin and Bitcoin and Monero and what have you. GOT, what's up? I actually think that you just answered my question because I was going to ask you if that were to actually happen, then what kind of impact do you think it would have on Bitcoin or Litecoin or any other cryptocurrencies that are big at the moment? I mean, especially Bitcoin is uh, what was my main concern, but I think you did answer your own question there. Well, in my personal opinion, and please let let me know if you guys have a different opinion, is Bitcoin, Litecoin will not be the catalyst of mass adoption. Nobody's going to say, Thank God Monero is here. I mean, unless you have a specific use case for Monero or Litecoin or Bitcoin, I use you know cryptocurrency 100% in Crypto 101 in, in my business. But nobody's going to just gravitate to that because it's a better use case because of what you guys said during this is, is private keys and public keys and cold storage and all that shit. Nobody wants to be their own bank. I agree. It's going to take somebody to really find people to say, hey, yeah, this is really convenient because you know what? I'm traveling all the time. I can send people. I can you know pay for things abroad go to the same Starbucks with my Zuckbucks and pay for whatever. It doesn't cost me 3%. Like, you know, your credit card is going to take from an overseas transaction. That's what it's going to be. And then maybe some of these blockchain companies, cryptocurrencies could come in and kind of piggyback off their success. So do you think that because people pseudo trust Facebook right now, that mass adoption will occur via those avenues as opposed to mass adoption in the Bitcoin network just because of the network effect and the longevity of the network itself? What do you guys think? Who cares what I think? Jace, Ken, Arseni, what do you guys think? I think we're all kind of hitting on the same avenue. I don't know what will come first, Matthew. I think you're probably right that a large institution needs to make the first step to where whatever you want to call them, Zuckbucks or, you know, Facebucks, whatever, can be converted to Starbucks. And then I could use my mobile phone or mobile device to pay in the drive through If something like that can happen on a platform that has whatever billions of amounts of followers, it'll make it easier. I mean, maybe it's just me that set my own mind here. I think that there has to be some kind of a personal way for someone to monopolize, maybe not be their own banks, but see that blockchain can give them some financial freedom. And, you know, I think it has to be a combination of a large institution. And then, yeah, to all of our points, it'll probably slide down to the individual consumer. Arseni. 
Yeah, no, the way I see it, you know, I mean, if it's Facebook, I don't mind it. I think it'd be good for the space in general, right? But I think Facebook has a long way to go because of their privacy fiasco just recently. For them to just go in and kind of uh, try and introduce their Zuckbucks and try to get into the space, um, I don't know how much support they're going to get personally. But if they do provide that on-ramp, I don't mind that. Jason, you have anything to say? Yeah, I think it's all good. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries. GOT, what's up? Despite the Facebook uh, privacy issues that you know have occurred over the past, we can say, handful of years, right? People still use Facebook and people still trust them. Or whether or not they trust them, they still use the application because they're willing to trade their information for a uh, free service that they can communicate with their friends and family with. Yeah, man, I don't know if I, I trust Facebook. I just know that it's there and I use it. Same here. I I just am talking the majority of what I believe, like my uh, mother and father, my sister, brother-in-law. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. I think it's accepted already that they're harnessing all my data. They're spying on me. I kind of accept that if I'm on Facebook, that everything that they already built a nice profile that they can sell to the Democrats, the Republicans, and the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, I deleted my Facebook in September 2018. I'm all crypto Twitter now, guys. Oh, wow. Wow. That's a big move. I feel special that I never, ever created Facebook. Really? <laughs> I do not have a profile. I never created one. Wow. I stay off the grid, man, as much as I can. Wow. This is a lot for me already. Well, thank you for coming on the grid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Arseny, what's up? For me, Facebook, you know, I mean, I've had Facebook for a long time, but in the last, I'll say, 10 years, you know, I haven't been spending a lot of time on it. For me, the reason I'm actually kind of came back to my account is to be part of the Crypto 101 community. Um, I'm also in one of the groups, you know, for my university. But outside of that, I think a lot of people are kind of moving away from that, right? So my friends, I prefer the face-to-face -face interaction, right? So something else I actually wanted to mention was I personally think that it's going to be Generation Z that's really going to massively adopt crypto because to them, physical money doesn't really exist. They're a lot more used to using apps to pay for their meals, their bills. Uh, you know, like I don't know how popular e-transfers are in the US, but I imagine they are. But, you know, from what I see, they're not really used to paper money. So for them, crypto is going to be organic. That's my personal opinion, I guess. That's a good that's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Speaking of that, we're talking about big companies. What about big countries? There's been news that Russia was going to, you know, say, after the US dollar, I'm buying Bitcoin and just give Donald Trump a middle finger or the United States, the fiat system, a middle finger. Arseny, I knew you were going to have something to say about this. What's up? Yes, I got to jump in right there, Matthew. It is fake news. So typically, you know, when I compare my news sources, you know, I would have Google News and then I would go to Russian sites to kind of see if I can validate some of the information that's kind of floating around. And I can tell you, I have not found a single source confirming that information. So I think it's just somebody, for whatever reason, created an article, clickbait or not, but that is not accurate information. Now, I do follow quite a bit, being Russian, I guess, having that background, the politics. And there was something early in 2018 when Vladimir Putin was talking to the Senate. And he was basically explaining that we're kind of late to the table, but we should definitely consider blockchain. So I know there's a whole bunch of things going on in the background. But for them to just respond to the U.S. and, and the sanctions, that is not accurate information. And you heard that from me, okay? <laughs> Ken, what's up? 
I just wanted to give my buddy Arseni a virtual high five right there because see for us in the US, we've just already been programmed that if we hear Russia and it involves anything and we're from the US, it's just automatically fake news <laughs> due to all the uh, different media avenues here. So I say that kind of tongue in cheek because you got to always do your homework. But You know, it's, it's funny. I didn't ask where everybody is until now. And is everybody in the US? No, I am obviously. No, I'm in Canada, Edmonton. Okay. Yes, I'm in the US. Cool. GOT, what's up? So I'm in the US too. I'm in the Midwest, freezing my ass off tonight. Not as bad as Canada though. Yeah. So talking about the uh, Russia buying Bitcoin, it kind of is uh, pure speculation by one Russian economist, uh, according to the articles that I read on it. Is that correct? Like I said, it's fake news. Because after Matthew posted the article or someone in Crypto One posted the article, right? Like right away, I jumped on it just to see if I can validate it. And I have not found a single article talking about it. So I don't know who the Russian economist who was quoted in the few articles that I read about it is, or I, you know, I didn't look him up, see if he even existed. Does anyone know that? No, but I personally wish it wasn't fake news. I'll just say that. If any country were to take their, their own currency and try to leverage Bitcoin into it, I mean, especially a country the size of Russia, I mean, I think we're all agreeing it's probably fake news, but man, talk about mass adoption. Well, there'd be one way to do it. Too bad it probably was fake. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, if it were true, it's definitely good for uh, Bitcoin. Any adoption on that level is going to be good for Bitcoin. I think there's a higher chance that Russia is going to go to Yang than they would to Bitcoin because of the close relationship with China right now. A higher chance that they're going to go where? To the Yang. Oh, the Yuan. As a currency, yes. Okay. The CNY. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, China's making a huge push into a lot of markets with their financial systems. And we all know about South America and Africa, the investments that are going there. Also in the stands, I think China is really making themselves a great position to control some of the financial institutions around the world. And then if they do that with some crypto, which there's, again, rumors, who know if it's fake news, that they're you know trying to put all of their currency on the blockchain, they're going to be powerful, very powerful. So we're at about an hour. I have a last question for everyone in the conversation. You want to ask us about our music, I'm sure, right? Oh, man. That's, that's what I was just going to say. That, that's, <laughs> I got something ready. No, you're not. You weren't going to get that question, actually. But if you want that question, I can give that question. I was hoping we didn't get that question. That's <laughs> no, all good. Well, the, the I'm just going to tell you, Matthew, if you haven't listened to MGK yet, you can have your editors edit this out. But Machine Gun Kelly, he's from Cleveland. I mean, I listen to all kinds of music. If you haven't checked him out, you got to check him out. Just saying. You know, that's so stupid. I didn't know he was from Cleveland. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, and I even have to respect the fact that he's from Cleveland. But now he's got some good rap and hip hop, and he's got all kind of good stuff. Man. Not just rap and hip hop, but he's a true artist. You know, he plays guitar, sings. Um, check him out, man. Right on. Legit. Will do. Hey, you guys know who else is from Cleveland? Me. <laughs> who? Bone Thugs oh, and man. Harmony. Come on, Matt. <laughs> yeah, they were OGs. Yes, they were the OGs. Yeah, they're the OGs. Those were my tunes when I was 16 years old driving around. Me and you too, brother. Me and you too. Wait, 16 years old driving around. When were you born? 79? 84. 84, okay. I was born in 80. All right, same as my brother. I'm 79. Well, then, Matthew, you have to know about Bone Thugs and Harmony. Maybe not Machine Gun Jeff, but you got to know about Bone. Oh, for sure, man. East 1999 and Eternal. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know it, bro. Hell yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> See, somehow we got into the topic anyways, even though it wasn't going to be your final question. See, this, this is why I like this topic, man. If you, if you listen to music, man, you get passionate about it. Seriously. 
Yeah. Um, but my, but we're here actually talking about blockchain. So my last question to you guys is, what is your blockchain goals? Everybody has their own goals with blockchain. Mine is to educate. Mine is to get people involved into blockchain. Everybody has their own goals. Maybe it might be to get those Lambos on the moon, to make good investments, to bring other people into the space, or to make sure that your people's data is controlled. You know, there's many good things to say here, but what are your personal goals with the blockchain? Jace, I want to start with you. I'd say my personal goals would be on the investment side. That's why I originally got into this. So it would be to do a ton of research, find the projects that I truly believe in, even outside of the monetary value that it could bring, but you know, projects that protect people, that bring about social and political change for the better, help secure people's financials, bring about better banking, anything that kind of, you know, I think my goal for this year is to invest in projects that I truly believe are going to help humanity over the next 5, 10, 20 years. Right on, dude. Right on. GOT, what's up? Okay, man. So currently, just for this year, just a basic goal, I would like to participate in more education in the space. In the Midwest here, I'm seeing less and less local uh, Bitcoin meetups. And I think it's very, very important to be able to educate people on a local level. And I'd like to try to get more involved in that. We've seen a few different meetups that have come and gone here over the past uh, 12, 14 months. And I think it's the nature of the bear market, though. It, you know, there's just less interest right now. So there's not as many people showing up to these meetups and uh, they're kind of phasing out. So I would like to do something this year to help get that going again. And just for myself in general, this year, I would like to continue just accumulating as much Bitcoin as I can by swing trading, by buying dips. And I've been doing it for a little while, and that's what I'd like to continue doing. And then long term, 20, 30 years out, you know, I'd like to see Bitcoin thrive. And I uh, would like to see way, way, way more adoption. I, like I said before, I'd like to see us get to somewhere between 30 and 50% adoption worldwide. Right on, man. Right on. K-E-N. Yo, man. Yeah. So I'm just going to go big on this one here. You know, I dream big and try to set some pretty lofty goals. I don't know how I'm going to fit into this, but I have probably more of a long-term goal here. Now that I'm in this space and I feel a calling for it, I don't know what it is, but I'm pretty passionate about it and um, I'm not going to stop learning about it. Sure, you want to have it moon and you know have crypto take off and mass adoption. And if that happens and we're holding bags and it does, we're all going to be very, very happy. But for me, it's on a much broader level. I think that um, as these developing countries or people who can find a way to, for lack of better terms, you know, help them break the system. You know, I, I don't want to see mass chaos and see on a grand scale. The future looks like for the world, but you know, I'm trying to think 20, 30 years out. It's a little scary for me to think at my current age of 38, but. I want to find a way to be involved in a project, start a project, partner up with some devs. I don't have the background in this space, but I'm going to do all I can to find a way to put data in the hands of the individual and find a way for them to profit from it. And if that breaks down some systems along the way, then maybe it's a good thing. Right on, dude. Right on. And last but not least, Arseni, what's up, brother? I'd have to agree with Ken. I'm not phased by the bear market at all. The way I see it, it's a good time to accumulate, right? Buy now, you know? 
As far as for goals, education is really something that I kind of want to be a part of it. I want to contribute to the space. So I'm looking for opportunities or where I can get involved. And then, you know, as far as Bitcoin goes, it's not if, it's a matter of when it's going to happen. Like it's going to happen. I think 2020 is going to be a big year for crypto. So I'm doing all I can to kind of prepare myself for that time. So how 2019 goes, you know, with back coming in and all these other projects, it's going to be an interesting year. I'm very bullish on ADA. I like some of the things that they're doing. They're going to be introducing Shelly in the first quarter of 2019, and they're really going to be pushing for decentralization. So I'm going to see where that project ends up. But uh, I'm very passionate about blockchain, and it's something that you get in the zone and time flies. So for me, I'm actually also considering maybe at some point making a transition from being a supply chain manager and getting into the space and seeing if maybe I can link up with one of the companies pushing blockchain into the supply chain space right now. So I guess that would be some of my goals. Right on, right on. Gents, I want to say thank you very much for an hour plus of your time. We'll see how long this is when we edit it. I also want to say thank you for being listeners of Crypto 101. Thank you for being involved in the community. And thank you very much for in the bear market, sticking around not only with Crypto 101, but with blockchain and still having the passion to be involved and not leaving because of a little dip or not paying attention because of, you know, a price fluctuation. It's very important for people to stay involved and keep being the spokesman for this movement, this idea of new ways to interact with technology, with finance, with governance, with economics, all kinds of different things. And well, you guys are now the new base of this movement of blockchain technology. So thank you very much. Awesome, man. Glad to be here. Thanks a lot, Matthew. Yeah, thank you for having us, Matthew. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Guys, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on the show. And it was very nice to meet you and get to know you. In our next episode, we have on Brave New Coin. And I'm excited to get that out to you. And when I do get that out, I'll have normal recording quality. And I again apologize. I am recording this in a car on the way to the airport on my mobile microphone right before my move to the USA. Before we go, like always, ApogeeCrypto.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com. The best place for your real-time prices. And I want to say thank you very much to Savan for editing this episode. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.